This is an EWTN Newslink. I'm Anna Mitchell from the Sunrise Morning Show. An official with the Environmental Protection Agency is telling people in East Palestine, Ohio, that the air quality there is, quote, normal. During a news briefing yesterday, the EPA regional administrator said the agency has conducted 578 home re-entry screenings in the community, noting that air screenings are available to any resident within the evacuation zone who wants it done. And the Holy See announced today that Pope Francis has accepted an invitation to visit Hungary. The Pope's scheduled to make a weekend trip to the capital Budapest from April 28th to April 30th in the Easter season. On the agenda are meetings with government officials, bishops, priests, consecrated and seminarians, as well as with young people and with the poor and refugees. For more news with a Catholic perspective, visit EWTNnews.com. The Doctor is in with Dr. Ray Garendi. Starts now. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi, Dr. Ray. How are you? I'm sure I'm going to get really good advice from you. Why do I have to be the insightful professional? You just patted yourself on the back. I'm losing you, buddy. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're just so great. I love your show. Am I close? No. Does that comfort you? No. I'm sorry, and I'm going to confess it, because I'm a holy guy. I'm a little intimidated to talk to you because uh, you used a lot of big words. You know, I was looking for a deeper answer. You came to the wrong place. You came to the wrong place if you're looking for deep answers. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. 1.6% psychobabble. The lowest national rating of any expert. The average per expert is 32%. This particular program, we have a sustained psychobabble rating below 5%, pretty much for the whole show. Every once in a while, our, um, <clears throat> what do they call those things that, uh, algorithms? Our algorithm uh, kicks off what it thinks is psychobabble because I might say something like, uh, Sonny and Cher. Well, it hears share, and it thinks S-H-A-R-E, that's psychobabble, as in, I might share that thought with you. Can you share some more with us? What might be a good way to share your struggle? So there is some problems. There's some there's some glitches in it we got to work on. Good to have you with me. This is The Doctor Is In. This is the Monday variant. I don't say version anymore. say variant of The Doctor is in its E-Person Monday. Once again, always linguistically sensitive. Do not say email. That's uh, that's assuming it is E-Person. And I really am uncomfortable with the S-O-N, son, at the second syllable of person. I don't know quite what to do about that yet. I don't want to say E-People Monday. Plus, Monday came from the, uh, its uh, etiology was Moon's Day and the moon in pretty much ancient uh, literature or, or, or ancient um, ideas was uh, male. So when we say Monday, its origins were moon's day, which, again, is male. So i got to be very careful. There's, there's linkage all over the place, all over the place, and it's very difficult to constantly monitor the ever-changing linguistic landscape saw a boy oh boy oh boy i saw a couple of interesting 
survey results. And surveys obviously make me nervous if I don't see how they phrased the question, if I don't see who their sample size was. However, this particular survey said, now, <clears throat> supposedly it asked Catholics. I don't know how they determined Catholic. Many, many people. The majority, actually, of people who call themselves Catholic haven't stepped in a church in a year. And for the most part, their faith is something left over from when they were younger, and they have ceased to pay any attention to it for years, if not decades. So with that in mind, a couple of results. One was something like, I forget what percentage it was. It was over 50% said that priests should bless same-sex unions. Now, of course, the Catholic Church doesn't teach that, never has. But the fact that the people, and I'm wondering if these are people in the pews, are these daily mass goers, are these weekly mass goers, what exactly defines Catholic But there's another one that was a broader cultural survey, and I have no reason to doubt this one. 87% of people believe that it is perfectly fine to live together before marriage. Now, if you look at that from a moral perspective, I would imagine that a lot of those people don't even consider any moral perspective. They've, They've since gotten rid of what they think are constricting beliefs about how to live their lives, especially sexually. However, I would bet that an awful lot of those people in that 87% would call themselves Christians. Now, one might say, well, that is a morality that has been historical. It's been traditionally Christian. But really, it's outlived its usefulness. It isn't something that any more fits into a modern culture because we have ever-shifting lifestyles. Now, if in fact that is a teaching come from God through His church, then one would suspect that God knew what he was talking about. When he says, do it this way, don't do it that way, he's not trying to be a moral killjoy, saying, (laughs) I'm not going to let you have any fun, you're going to follow me, no fun. In fact, the secular research would support that this is not a good practice. Read to you a couple of results. These are secular results. These are not religious people. Individuals who cohabitate before marriage face a significantly higher chance of getting divorced. Estimate from 33% one study to 48% in another. Why would that be? Now, there's a lot of reasons we could speculate on that. Probably people who live together. Now, I was going to say, you know, people who live together probably don't have the moral perspective of a permanent union, but if 87% of people think it's okay, then you got to figure a lot of them are supposedly Christian, at least at some level in their life. 
I think it would be the commitment factor. If I'm going to live with you, I'm really not fully committed to you. I mean, I haven't made a public commitment. I haven't made a religious commitment. I haven't made what Catholics would call a sacramental commitment. This study said, quote, cohabitating couples are less satisfied than married spouses with their partnerships. In other words, I'm not as happy with you when I live with you. I'm more happy with the people I'm married to. They're not as close to their parents, are less committed to each other. I think that does explain significantly why after marriage the divorce rate is higher. I'm going to live with you. I'm less committed to you. That, that says something about my view of a relationship. And ladies, if you're thinking that in fact this is a guy you want to marry, but yet you've decided you're going to live with him, just realize you might be sending him a message you don't want to send him. This study also confirms they marry, they have a higher chance of divorce. About half the population under age 40 has lived with an unmarried partner. Now, this is an old study. This thing's 25 years old. It is more than that now. Teenage girls seek relationship commitment. Teenage boys are more interested in the physical. Nah, but we're all just the same, right? The way we think. For instance, one study of teenagers found that 8% of girls wanted physical intimacy when they were, quote, going steady. 45% of boys wanted the same thing at that level of relationship. Saw a fascinating survey that asked kids, is it okay to have physical relationships if you love someone? vast majority of the kids said yes. Then they asked them, have you ever loved someone? The majority of the kids said yes. How old were these kids? Eighth graders. God knows what he's talking about when he says, this isn't good for you. I didn't make you that way. But yet, we're smarter than God. I'm going to do it my way. And if, in fact, it doesn't work out, I'm not going to look at why it didn't work out. I'm not going to consider, hmm, maybe God had an idea better than mine. Nah. No, I'll find some explanation for it because, in fact, if something is what I want to do, then... I'm going to find a reason other than me that it didn't work. I already got this particular e-person queued up on my phone. So when we come back, it's a it's one that has a, a number of questions to it. And I'll try to quickly answer those. And I, I did refer them to a book. So this is Dr. Ray. I thank you for uh, keeping me company. The doctor will be with you in just a moment. EWTN. 
communicating the faith. So this is the first time I just put you guys on and I'm calling in and it is such a blessing to speak to you. And I want to say to all of your listeners that I'm thinking of you, I'm praying for you if you're out there and you are lonely or you are sad or you don't feel you have much to praise God about. I am praying for you that you will discover something and the Lord will really touch your heart today. The following is a medical moment. Hi, I'm Bobby Schindler, brother of Terry Schiavo. An advanced care planning document, or ACP, is one kind of advanced directive, providing a written statement of a person's desired medical treatments in the future. A recent study titled, What's Wrong with Advanced Care Planning?, concluded that there is a gap between hypothetical scenarios and real-world decision-making. Another study found that 80% of emergency room physicians misinterpreted an ACP as a do-not-resuscitate order. Another issue is that any disagreement between medical professionals and the patient's healthcare agent regarding specific ACP language may undermine the patient's ultimate wishes. Your best bet is never to sign an advanced care planning document, such as a pulse form when admitted to a hospital. And make sure your healthcare durable power of attorney has a provision which invalidates any previously signed ACP. This medical moment brought to you by MyLifeAngels.com. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. I went to my doctor. I was telling him I was I was having some short-term memory problems. First thing he did was make me pay in advance. Huh. Good to have you with me. I'm Dr. Ray. Okay. Let's uh let's go to this one. And this one really touches my heart. I, I wrote a book on this. Uh probably probably well, uh it's been released a couple years ago through uh, Sophia Press, EWTN. Most common questions I get regarding adoption. Uh, I learned a lot about the ins and outs going through it with my wife. Hi, Dr. Ray. 82.6531%. That's my rough estimate. Of all E-persons coming from females, start that way. We are a Catholic family with soon-to-be six kids. But... We are also feeling deeply called to adoption. The world of adoption is a daunting one. Yes, Haley, it is. The statistics are about 1% of mothers who are pregnant out of wedlock choose to place their baby for adoption. About 1%. Last I saw, there's over a million couples waiting to adopt and about 50,000 babies. And again, those statistics are some years old, so I don't know what they are recently, are available each year 
for adoption. So, yes, in fact, uh, the the days of the 16-year-old little girl getting pregnant and going to live with relatives or someplace else and then delivering the baby and placing the baby are pretty much gone. Uh, there's a, a lot of ways babies become available. Uh, sometimes they are taken from birth moms because of high-risk behavior on the part of the birth mom. All right. We hear horror stories, and we feel a little overwhelmed at even where to begin. Well, a lot of places to begin. You can approach private agencies. You can link up with them. You can find out what their terms are to be a potential adopted parent. Now, Haley, I got to tell you, with six kids, you... We're definitely going to have, you're not going to be at the top of the list for a birth mom who wants to place her baby because many of them want the baby to be placed as the oldest or the only. There are those who'd say, yeah, I'd like to place my baby in a big family, but they're in a distinct minority. Now, my wife and I adopted four kids after we had six. Um, they came through unusual circumstances, two of them came through children's services and they were in foster care and were hard to place um, and two of them came almost accidentally they, we were not expecting them so they kind of came to us surprisingly but we didn't have anybody say I want to place my child with this family because they have six children so that's one thing that's going to make it a little tougher for you how did you adopt your children? Several ways. Privately, Catholic charities, uh, private adoption agencies, and older kids. What advice would you give a Catholic family interested in adoption, especially a family with many children already in the home? I would be careful about who I introduced into that home. If you're going to adopt, say, a 7-year-old, and you've got three kids under 7, there's a pretty good chance that seven-year-old is way worldly than not only your younger ones, but even your older ones. You have to really know what they've been exposed to. We did that. We adopted two four-year-olds when we had a three- and a one-year-old. Now, from what we could assess, the four-year-olds had been in foster care for two and a half years. They didn't seem all that worldly. And the one-year-old, of course, he didn't, he didn't even react to anybody else in the family. The three-year-old did. She had, she had the biggest adjustment problems. She started biting and she started doing some things through jealousy. But that passed. That passed with time when the four-year-old became a very good friend of hers. Any resources you would recommend? Yeah, there's a book in the library called the Adoption Resource Handbook. I think it's still there. It lists the adoption agencies by state, what they specialize in, what they're looking for, costs, things like that. If you go private, there's a pretty good chance it could get expensive. I mean, you could be talking 20, 30, 40 grand. Uh, if you go public, it's nothing. It's zero. Now, the one thing about private, which means through an attorney, through a private adoption, through an individual, you will get... An adoption credit of, I believe it's 10 grand now, 
and you can pay that. You can have that on your taxes over three years if you don't pay ten grand in tax in any given year. Of course, you get the child tax credit, and you get the deduction. So it does defray the cost somewhat. Um, trick? Uh, yes, I think you would be better able to adopt a child not of your race. For you to adopt a healthy white infant would be, I think, a long shot. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but you might be sitting there for seven years before it happens. Uh, conversely, though, a child of another race can be harder to place. An older child, a two, three, four, five-year-old, or a sibling group, those are all considered special needs children. You know, the special needs label is pretty broad. Could mean anything from wheelchair blind to a sibling group of age two and four, or African American, or Hispanic. Uh, three of our children are black, so they were considered special needs because they're being adopted by white mom and dad. So, what do you think about foster to adopt? Well, if you're looking for a child, the likelihood of being able to adopt eventually through the foster care program is much higher. The downside is that there could be times when you will, after having the child in your home for nine months or or even longer, return the child to his original setting because the birth parent or parents have done what they need to do through the agencies to show that they are ready to be fit parents. We're fearful that the foster care route may lead to heartbreak. It depends how you go into it. If you go into it realizing that we don't know when and who we will be able to adopt, then you can buffer yourself from the eventuality that you could place the child back with the birth parents. The private adoption route seems so expensive and like you have to sell yourself to try and win a baby. Uh, You don't have to necessarily sell yourself. You do put together a profile. And I think having six kids is not going to help you. Um, because by and large, our culture does not look with favor upon big families anymore. A birth mom might look at the size of your family and say, my kid's going to be lost, rather than saying, my kid's going to have six brothers and sisters that are going to adore him. Um, You would be able to adopt more likely if you looked at the options available cross-race. If you adopt older or a sibling group, it's quicker. You run into the problem of how worldly is that sibling group. That's something to consider. And one other thing to consider. If you adopt a child that has had a rough history, uh, drug exposure in the womb, alcohol exposure in the womb, was removed from birth mom at seven months because of neglect, there's a good chance a child's going to be harder to raise. Uh, neurologically, didn't have the, the get-go, the start that you gave your children. Didn't have the nutrition or the hugs or the kisses 
or he was bathed in toxins. So as a result, it could be harder to raise, could be more impulsive, could be slower to form a conscience. If, if you're if you're aware of that, then you raise the child with the love and the discipline that you can, knowing that the ride could be bumpier than what you're used to with your bio kids. I've seen a lot of parents do that. They have one or two or three bio kids, they adopt, and then, whoa, this kid throws at them challenges that they never experienced with their bio kids. As long as you know it's common or could come, you deal with it. You understand it. And you don't worry about being a success. So I guess, to summarize what I'm saying here, Haley, if you want to do it, there's a lot of options. Um, but you're probably going to be in a situation to a adopt a, a less-than-in-demand child from other parents. And if you wish to do that, then you'll know that... Um, it's going to be a parenting journey, and you have to you have to weigh it. You have to decide: will it be too bumpy a ride for our whole family, or will this child be too worldly for a couple of my kids? Doesn't mean you can't handle it; just some things you got to weigh. My adoption book talks about all this in much more detail. It's Doctor Ray. I'm Chuck Gatica. February is American Heart Month. Are you running a little late on your New Year's resolution to get healthy? Maybe weight loss is the thing. Maybe you want to eat better. These adjustments require lifestyle change and discipline. In 2 Timothy, St. Paul writes an intensely personal letter encouraging Timothy to be steadfast, disciplined, and understand that he has the spirit of power to endure. You and I have that power from the Holy Spirit, too. Let's unleash it and make changes that bring better health this month and this year. As a wellness coach, I often encourage people to learn how to become mindful of situations or behaviors that put them at risk for heart disease. After you pray each day, find a time to think deeply about what you need to change in your life and what to do to move forward. Give God, your ultimate mentor, time to speak the answers. Get started on your health journey at AveMariaRadio.net. Father Benedict Rochelle. There are legitimate differences of opinion in any religion. There are differences of opinion in Catholicism. But in Catholicism, you expect that people will take the teaching of its supreme authority seriously. To go diametrically opposed to those teachings is to not be a Catholic. Someone in the name of Catholicism is sponsoring the destruction of human life, lives of unborn children. And they got the name Catholic on the door. The highest authority in Catholicism in the encyclical Humanae Vitae, Evangelium Vitae, is absolutely clear that no Catholic can support abortion and that Catholics are responsible to take serious action against legalized abortion. The people you know and trust are on EWTN.
Thank you for joining me, Dr. Ray Garendi here, program doctors in my producer man, Andrew Kruchak, over there in Ann Arbor. We are a co-production of the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, as well as Ave Maria Radio Communications. I have talked and entertained quite a few calls and have had a lot of people come to my office in distress and despair after being shunned, shut off, disconnected, disengaged by their young adult children. And I made the observation that this is so prevalent, such an epidemic, particularly among people who tried to raise their children in a faith-filled home. One thing for parents to have been neglectful, abusive, alcoholic, nasty, and the children are pulling back for protection. But what I'm seeing is a lot of, I just don't like who you are. I don't like how you think. I don't like your religion. Now, I made an observation that kind of surprised what a low profile this phenomenon is. It's just very obvious to me. I also reported, I think a few weeks back, that Dennis Prager of PragerU has a pretty wide following. Noticed this on his radio show, and he wrote an article about it, and he was overwhelmed with the number of communications he received from parents experiencing that exact same thing. This is from a mom. Hi, Dr. Ray. It seems to be whatever the age, the female. It's a law. Got to say hi, Dr. Ray. You responded a year ago regarding our son and daughter-in-law's shutting off our relationship. I sent your recent YouTube on this topic to my daughter. Yes, I do have a YouTube channel. She gave me the name of this therapist who is a major influencer in this whole assess your parents and decide whether or not to kick them out of your life phenomenon. My daughter-in-law, okay, this is the daughter-in-law who cut our writer out of her life. And my niece-in-law follow her. Now, I'm just wondering if the, if the niece is the daughter of the daughter-in-law. They have both influenced their husbands to cut ties with the in-laws. I see this a lot, by the way. Uh, I see it more often instigated by the daughter-in-law who then convinces the son some way, somehow, or makes life difficult for the son if he has contact with his parents or his mother or his father to also join her in becoming estranged. I see this a lot. It's a common dynamic, and it really bothers the parents because they look at their son and say, why is he doing this? Why is he doing this? I understand she doesn't like us, but now he is following along with her. There's a lot of dynamics involved with that. Some guys don't stand up to this kind of pressure. Other guys want to keep peace at the home, and they would have a very miserable marriage if, in fact, so they're forced to choose. 
This woman has six million followers. Six million. Oh. She's attracted the attention of my conservative cousin and my conservative daughter. She says, here's what my daughter said about her. This is definitely an epidemic. And I think it's being driven by psychiatrists, new age therapists who encourage setting boundaries and, quote, healing your inner child. They blame all of life's woes and all of their flaws on how they were treated as a child. And therefore, they blame the parents. And the therapists encourage the person to feel like a victim of how they were raised. They then encourage the person to set boundaries, i.e. cut off their parents who are to blame for all their problems in life. That is so true. With the decline of personal responsibility, if I'm, if I'm running my life poorly, or I'm depressed, or I'm struggling with emotional issues, obviously it's not me. It's got to be someone who made me this way. Well, who made me this way? My mom? My dad? They're the ones. They're the evil So often when somebody is living their lives discontentedly or miserably or poorly, they don't see their role in doing this. They look for explanations outside themselves. Who better to blame than the people who had close contact with you the first 20 years of your life, right? And you got a boatload of therapists out there pushing this. I've seen it. I've seen people come to me and say, my daughter went to a therapist, and then since then she wants nothing to do with us. Keeping in mind that by and large therapists are not religious. So therefore, when an adult child tells the therapist, my parents are religious, the therapist thinks that's a bad thing. That's something that you got to distance yourself from. These people are toxic, to use the word du jour. Is this therapist, and I don't, won't name her, on your radar? Is this how the new epidemic got traction? I think it's how the new epidemic is being fueled but not necessarily caused. I think the main cause is these children growing into young adulthood shaped by the culture. And the culture says your parents are like this. You know, the interesting thing, too, is no no parent is going to say, I was perfect, I raised my kid great. But there's no allowance, there's no tolerance, there's no forgiveness. You wouldn't expect them to have forgiveness because most of them have left the faith. Of the parents being human having their flaws like we all do making mistakes like we all do there's no allowance for that it's that you did this she cites the example of one person who contacted this therapist and basically said at age seven her mother didn't pick her up on time from somewhere and she felt abandoned and that was the traumatic event. Yeah. yeah. I got a contact somewhat recently by, by a woman who went to the Internet. And she read the description of a narcissist. And she said, that's my mom. That's what the Internet says. And then 
the self-proclaimed therapist on the Internet said, well, the only way to deal with a narcissist is to not deal with them. you got, you got to cut them off. Well, this woman came back to her Christian faith and then started to have her regrets doing this to her mom. She, she closes and says, we're hanging in there. Staying close to our daughters and their seven kids who love us. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Ray, for calling attention to this divisive family wrecking trend so many of us have been tortured with. Who is the source of all priesthood? Jesus Christ, the Catholic Catechism tells us, the priest of the old law was a figure of Christ, and the priest of the new law acts in the person of Christ. In the Mass, it is Christ himself who is present to his church as head of his body, shepherd of his flock, high priest of the redemptive sacrifice, and teacher of truth, says the Catechism. By virtue of the sacrament of holy orders, the priest acts in persona Christi. Christ is made visible in the community of believers through the ordained ministry. The bishop, in the words of Ignatius of Antioch, is like the living image of God the Father. This does not guarantee, however, that bishops are preserved from all human weakness, even sin. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. The AP is now saying that news people cannot refer to pregnancy resource centers as pregnancy resource centers or crisis pregnancy centers. They have to refer to them as anti-abortion centers because we're misleading the public by saying that they're offering resources, apparently. It is about consistently putting forth a culture of death to anything you want sexually, being extremely woke every time you turn around. This is more proof that all they care about is their own agenda. And they're doing this to their own demise. If you look at the ratings, for example, of CNN, if you look at the subscription rates, right, of various newspapers, whether it's online or still hard copy in, in print, continuing to decrease. And yet they do not care because it's about the agenda. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Ray Garendi. Program, The Doctor Is In. You know, uh, with that whole adoption e-person that I dealt with a little bit ago, uh, you know, it raises the question, at what age, and because parents wrestle with this, and I think you can extrapolate this. You see these signs on the hosp- on the highway? Adopted by the Kiwanis, so for Two miles of the highway, the Kiwanis group makes sure there's no litter side of the road. Raises the question, when do you tell? What age do you tell a highway that it's adopted? I mean, a highway starts to think, you know, I don't look like the Kiwanis, man. I don't know exactly what it is. That's just something I was was pondering. All right. This is a a follow-up e-person. Again, hi, Dr. Ray. (laughs) Yep. I wrote to you 
some time ago about my my brother who received a large amount of money from my mother. Never told us. Wiping out one of her bank accounts. The same brother recently picked my mother up after not seeing her for five years. Took her to a lawyer and convinced her to sign papers for her protection. She signed a power of attorney. Orders to get her medical, legal, and financial records and a gag order to prevent me from finding out about anyone. I'm the primary caregiver since he has been absent. Mom lives with us. I had an interview on the TV show back in the very first years of a couple of sisters who run the House of Loretto here in Canton. One of the things they observed was if someone is going to be the main caretaker for an elderly parent who is becoming cognitively or physically more frail, more often than not, it is the oldest daughter. Now, this is obviously from a daughter, and I, I don't know. She sounds like it's just her and her brother, so she's been the caretaker. Uh, Mom also signed something saying they could apply for immediate guardianship if her medical records said something about her memory. I think what she's saying is that her brother and his wife, when she says they. I found out accidentally about this a month later, and of course, she was horrified because he never told her what she was signing. Hey, my first thought is, you got to head for an attorney. Absolutely. This happens a lot. When you got an elderly person who is confused or not aware of what they're signing, they can be taken advantage of, and the courts are scrupulous in looking at stuff like this. She trusted my brother. I am back to having the power of attorney. Okay, so they must have gone through the court, and the court and the attorney said, wait a minute, especially if mom was of clear enough mind to testify, hey, I did not know what I was signing. All right, so that's pretty much prima facie evidence. Everything is now set up so that each of us get 50% of the estate. Yesterday, my mother called me to let me know that Adult Protective Services was at our home. All right, so apparently our writer was away from home. Somebody reported them. Now, as I said, I haven't really read the rest of this letter, but I'm going to say it's 10 to 1, the brother. My brother, since he could not get control from information in her medical records, has has accused me of elder abuse. Now, here's where we become the crux. I'm beyond frustrated at this point, Dr. Ray. He's been absent from her life, never calling to check on her, never seeing her at the holidays, having her leave cakes and presents on his porch for birthdays. She has no pictures of her grandchildren. They live four miles away. We are meeting with a lawyer. Good. But from a Christian perspective, how in the world do I pray for this situation? Well, it's not a matter of how. You just do it. I'm angry about it. 
I've spent the last five years caring for my mother beautifully, and he sweeps in, having her sign everything over to a strange attorney. I'm heartbroken. She's afraid, and we never know each day what will hit us out of the blue. Several things there. One, I'm going to assume you still have all the rights. So he tried to do that, and it didn't work. Good. The system worked for you and your mom. Two, you took care of your mom. What a beautiful gift you gave your mom. You loved her. You showed her how much one of her children truly appreciates her. You know she's hurting because of this brother. He disappears for five years, and then he decides he just wants her money. See, that doesn't shock me. I've seen that happen so often. I think what's bothering you so much is he shouldn't be doing this. What kind of son is this? Well, I I, I don't want to sound nihilistic. I'm not. But I'm not shocked by what people can do. I know so many people who don't talk to siblings after their parents died because there were inheritance problems. You got to take care of your mom. It looks like you've protected yourself legally. And your brother, for whatever the reason, has decided he's not going to have any part of his mother who's becoming a little bit more frail, maybe a little more difficult, maybe tougher to relate to, so therefore I'm just backing out. You take care of her, sis. Oh, but by the way, she has money that I do want. And that really bothers you. How could he do that? Well, he did it. People can do really wrong things. Family members can do really wrong things. He's a brother, he's a son, he shouldn't be doing that. Well, of course he shouldn't be doing that, but he did. So I think for your own peace, you realize, all right, as long as we're legally protected, which you are, and hopefully your mom is still clear enough that she recognizes what's going on, and if she doesn't, if she gets to the point where she gets confused, you make sure that you take her to the attorney and the attorney sees this and the attorney knows this. The attorney knows exactly what's going on so that your brother can't swoop in and make life difficult for you. He can try, but he really can't. So at this point, he's just striking back at you because he had it all figured out. And then you stopped him. Oh, he's mad. And I'm sure he justifies what he's doing. He's not looking at it and say, man, what I did was really wretched. But that's okay because I wanted to do it anyway. No, 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 no. People justify it. If you talk to him, he would say, these are the reasons I did it. And this is why you didn't deserve it. Of course, he'd think that. And nothing you're going to do about it. Your joy comes from having your mom for the last five years and being able to show her how much you love her and how much her daughter took care of her. That's your joy. Dr. Ray. If you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. The doctor is in. Now, don't you feel better? Mm 
save the date. Saturday, August 26th is the day, and Birmingham, Alabama is the place for the 2023 EWTN Family Celebration. We're celebrating Mother Angelica's love for the Eucharist, and join us to mark the centennial year of Mother's birth. Make your plans now to attend this free event. More details coming soon at our Family Celebration webpage, EWTN.com slash Family Celebration. Lincoln's second inaugural is an effort to ensure that the North and South will once more be able to see each other as brothers rather than enemies. And like Lincoln's day, our, our own day is divided by ugly sentiments and uglier issues. And while we haven't come to a civil war, we really do have civil conflict. And while we might aspire to be a united states of America, we are a divided states of America. There's nothing wrong with longing for a recovery of the middle. But when we say that, we can't be saying we want to end the discussion. The whole point of recovering the middle is that we stop yelling and start real discussion. The middle is the common ground where we find common language, where we find common values, so that we can intelligently, patiently, and respectfully hammer out our differences and also determine where differences cannot be compromised. Cresta in the Afternoon with Al Cresta for Eastern on EWTN Radio. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Last segment of the Doctor is In of E-Person Monday. Dr. Ray, I'm watching your show. She's talking about the TV show. Talking about dealing with the loss of a miscarriage. We did several segments, uh, season 11, regarding a wonderful group based in San Diego who is helping to train hospital workers to deal with those moms and dads who come into the emergency room, which is oftentimes the main place, and are experiencing a miscarriage. And so very, very often these events are just viewed as, okay, well, okay, go home, and uh, we took care of it now. And it is very common. There's a million, million miscarriages per year in the U.S., and it's been something very much ignored uh, among medical professions and probably even among the mental health types. It's uh, something that, uh, well, you know, you didn't, you didn't know the baby or, well, it's early and you could have more children, all, all the nonsense things that we say. And we did several segments about this. I have two daughters, Dr. Ray. Both have had a miscarriage. Very common, by the way, uh, Pretty much many, perhaps most, mothers have had at least one miscarriage. My mom had four, four out of eight. Her mother had, well, I was going to say eight out of 13, but two to three of those 
were actually little toddlers. My mom took me to the cemetery where her little brothers were buried. Interestingly enough, one of those little brothers was Armando, which is Italian for Raymond. Both had a miscarriage before anyone outside the immediate family knew that they were expecting. As I'm listening to your guest explain the difficulty of telling someone of their loss, I got to wondering why people don't share their news of being pregnant right away. Well, um, I think for some people, um, they want to make sure things are progressing smoothly. For some people, believe it or not, and I've heard this a lot, who have had more than two or three children, they, they don't want to get the grief. They don't want to get the feedback. I had one father tell me, and he had ultimately ten children, and he said, I forget after which number it was, they stopped telling all family members that they were pregnant. They didn't want to hear it. They just let them find out with time and appearance. And I've had many, many moms tell me that. Um, and even, <laughs> sadly, even going to their OBGYN uh, for their fourth pregnancy and getting all the literature on how you're supposed to be able to stop this. What are you doing? Sucking up the rainforest. She said, basically, now, you know, I just, now I am reading this. All right, hold on. Let me take care of that. I was reading this, and then I got a call on the phone, and now I couldn't read it anymore, and I'm such a technological illiterate, I didn't know how to stop the call. I got to wondering why people don't share their news to have the support in case of a loss instead of waiting to make sure they get through the first trimester. Would this help accept the loss if they know others are praying for them? Um, I think it's an individual decision. I really do. I think that... Some moms, dads, decide, uh, let's, let's just wait and see how this moves along. I know my own son and uh, daughter-in-law, they usually tell us at a certain point in the pregnancy. They know before we do. And then as soon as they know, as far as I can tell, they haven't told us. As soon as they know, they tell us pretty early. Um, others will say, yeah, I mean, it's, it's the instant we know we're going to tell people and uh, we'll welcome their prayers. Of course. So I think a lot of it would be an individual decision. But a miscarriage is a very, very common thing. And among many, it is not viewed as much of a loss. It's viewed as, well, didn't get too far. You'll get over it. You've got other children. You're young. You can have more children. All of that, instead of recognizing that this is a significant loss for someone. This, is, this was their baby. And even in the culture that <laughs> ridiculously says there's nothing in there that is human, which is so bizarre, I think that may reflect part of the reason why the secular world doesn't look at miscarriages like they otherwise would with the sensitivity that you would hope they would have. Because if you're going to say <clears throat> that this child is 
perfectly set up to be killed, if you wish, then if, in fact, he passes away in the womb, well, okay, I, I think there's a little bit of that fo focusing in. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Ray. If you're not walking with God, look into it. Look into it. It's a walk that ultimately is going to lead you to him. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Transmitting the treasures of our Catholic faith to your radio every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. One of the secrets of a happy home is for spouses to prioritize each other over anyone else, even the children. We know this may sound counterintuitive, but the best way to be a great parent is to be an amazing spouse. We have to put the needs of our marriage above the wants of our children. What do children need more than anything else? They need a mother and father who are completely in love with each other and who provide a stable, safe place for that child to grow. After all, where do these children come from? They are the fruit of your marriage. So don't get confused and think that your children can be the focus of your family. That is not good for them and it's not good for you. Your marriage needs to be prioritized and from that marriage, you'll be able to provide a loving home for your children and you'll have the energy to give them the love and attention they need. Always remember, you are first a husband or wife and second, you are a parent. For more tools to improve your marriage, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. I've never heard y'all before. There is this lady with her big white SUV and on the back of the windshield is this big cross with y'all's radio station underneath. Put it on y'all's radio station anyhow. And then it starts talking about the saints and how the saints give you signs and they lead you into the right direction. I just appreciate you and God for putting that sign in my life and letting me know that it, it is him and it's okay. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Our family has spanned the centuries and the globe. With God's grace, we started hospitals to care for the sick. We established orphanages and helped the poor. We are the largest charitable organization on the planet, bringing comfort to those in need. We educate more children than any other institution. We developed the scientific method and founded the college system. We defend the dignity of human life and uphold marriage. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are transformed by sacred scripture and sacred tradition, which have guided us for 2,000 years. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the sacraments and fullness of the Christian faith, Jesus started our church when he said to Peter, the first pope, You are rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. So if you've been away from the Catholic Church, we invite you to take another look Visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. We are Catholic. Welcome home.